Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Church, you are sounding so great this morning. Go ahead and take your seats. We want to welcome you to church. We want to welcome those online who are watching. And um, we are starting a brand new series. And I love the start of any new series. You always hear me say that. But this one in particular is going to be super practical, something that is really easy to apply to your everyday life. And Megan has already said it is called, It's Worth the Wait. Because if there's anything that we don't do as human beings very well at all, it is waiting. You know, we get, you know, McDonald's is too slow these days for us. Fast food is just too slow. We don't want to have to wait for anything. I am so glad that I'm a woman born in this century and that I have washing machines and microwaves and hoovers and things like that. And I don't have to wait for, you know, the, the, the crop to go before I can pulse it down and make some bread with it or whatever. I'm so glad that I live in this century, but even now we're, we're impatient. I'm yet to meet a man who's gracious and patient in a traffic jam. Are there any out there? I doubt it very much at all. It's like the other you comes out when you're sitting in a traffic jam. We do not like to wait for anything. I think one of the greatest lessons that I learned about waiting was off my mum. And I can remember when I was about, I think I was about 13 years old, and um, we bought a new living room carpet. And I can remember coming downstairs this particular day, and my mum was rolling around the carpet. And then she was on her belly swimming on the carpet. Now, if you know my mum, try not to visualise this too much. But she's on her belly and she's doing breaststroke on the carpet. And I'm just looking at her. And she said these words. She said, Emma, anyone who can just go out and get what they want when they want cannot possibly feel what I feel right now. And the backstory was that she had so longed for a new living room carpet that she'd gone and got herself a part-time job and had been diligently saving for months and months and months until she could afford the new living room carpet. And so what she was demonstrating and what she was feeling was an attitude of gratitude that you never understand or appreciate or get when you just get what you want when you want it. And uh, I learned a valuable lesson that day. You know, our waiting for God. I think there's a part of God who waits on us. There's a part of God who's looking on. And I think God questions sometimes, how much do you really want the thing you say that you really want? Because how diligent are you in praying for it? I mean, in the way that my mom had to be diligent in saving for it, how diligent are you in praying for it? Daily seeking God and daily praying, daily believing that you are going to get that thing that you desire one day. We don't like to have to wait for anything. And so we pray to God on Monday and He hasn't answered us by five o'clock on Tuesday. We're like, prayer does not work. 
Why is it not happening for me? What is wrong with you, God? And then what we do is we take matters into our own hands and we decide how we are going to make the thing happen for us. And we decide what will be the best solution and the best way to navigate us going forward. And we decide how we're going to get an engineer to get the thing that we really want. There's a story in Isaiah 30 where God speaks to the, uh, to the nation of Israel. And he's remembering and he's recalling a time when Israel um, would seek him for wisdom. A time when Israel walked with him. A time when Israel loved him. A time when Israel worshipped him. A time when Israel would go to him for counsel. But he says to them right now, right now you've turned your backs on me. Right now you're devoid of worshipping me. Right now you have departed from my law. You don't want anything to do. And actually what the scripture tells us is that the leaders of the nation of Israel met together and they held counsel. But there's this one verse in Isaiah 30 and it says, but they did not consult the Lord. They made their battle plans. They made their strategies. And what they actually did was they went to Egypt and made an alliance with the nation of Egypt. Do you know why? Because Egypt looked good. Because Egypt looked strong. Egypt was a popular place. Egypt looked like it had it all together. So the Israelites went to the Egyptians and they said, will you be our covering? Can we hide in you at a time of war? Will you provide us with horses and chariots and men? But their trust and their faith in Egypt was flawed. Because when battle broke out, Egypt did not show up and Israel were left stranded. This is how it reads. Let me just actually read you that scripture. It reads like this in Isaiah 30. What sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances that are not directed by my spirit, thus piling up your sins. Without consulting me, you have gone to Egypt for help. You have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection and you have tried to hide in his shade. But by trusting in Pharaoh, you will be humiliated. And by depending on him, you will be disgraced. I don't know if you're anything like me. And I don't know if you could see any similarities between your life and that text. Because when I read it, I could. Because maybe you're here today and you're someone who knew what it was to once walk with God. Maybe you're here today and you are someone who knew what it was to rely on God. You would pray to God. You knew what it was to seek first the kingdom of God. But when God didn't answer you, you took matters into your hands and you decided who you were going to date. And you decided who you were going to go into business with. And you decided how you were going to deal with conflict with that person. And maybe you're here today because your way didn't quite work out for you. Somewhere along the line, you've gone full circle. You used to trust in God, you walked away from God, and now you find yourself back here because nothing on your journey has worked out. Well, I've done life both ways. And I have found from much pain and experience that the only way is to pray and wait on the Lord. When you're waiting, when you're trying to decide, when you're looking at how to map out your future, 
I have learned from experience, the only way is to trust and wait on God for His guidance. And the reason that the Bible repeatedly talks about waiting on the Lord, wait on the Lord, to wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. We're like, oh, if only we could just cross that word out. If only it would be like the Lord will just give. And the Lord just hands out miracles and blessings. But the reason the Word of God talks about wait on the Lord is because when you are waiting for your miracle or your answer or your blessing, it's always to do with timing. Either God is not ready to give you the thing that you are wanting, or you are not ready to receive the thing that you're waiting for. It's always to do with timing. Now, there are laws that creation is governed by because God put time in place on this earth. And the reason he did that is so that we could mark out the seasons. He put time in place on this earth so that we could mark our days upon the earth. We can't mess with the time and the law of creation. We can't mess with God's timing You know, when a woman is pregnant, there is a time it takes for that baby to develop in the womb before it's ready to be born. We can't hurry that process up. You know, when we take a seed and plant it in the ground, there's a time, there's a process before that seed becomes a crop. We can't hurry that time up. That is God's timing. And you know, when you're praying for the thing you're praying for, God has already predestined the time that he's going to give you the thing that you are asking for. And you can't hurry that up. But in your waiting season, there is something that you can be doing because God is waiting for something from you. This is what it says. In in Ecclesiastes 3.1, first of all, it says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. So we can't mess with God's timing. But in Isaiah 30, it tells us, so the Lord must wait for you to come to him so that he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is faithful and blessed are those who wait for his help. Sometimes... We're not seeing what we want to see now in our lives, not because God is deaf and not because he's short of a miracle, but because God is waiting for you to align some things in your life. Because we all know God is not the genie in the lamp, right? He's not the lucky charm we pray to just when we've got a situation that we're waiting on for an answer. But we are in relationship with God. We are in partnership with God. So God will do His part because the Word of God says He's faithful to do all that He said He's going to do. He is going to do His part. But the Lord waits for you to do your part. He's waiting for some things to align right in your life so that He can bless you. Imagine this. Imagine that today is the day for God's timing on your life. Imagine if God had predestined that today would be the day that you would get your miracle, but your life wasn't right for His timing. Imagine that. So don't we want to do anything and everything that we can do to make our lives ready for the miracles and the answers that God wants to deposit into us. And I'm going to tell you, 
But through three key principles, how we can align and how we can make ready our lives, how you can prepare yourself for God to be ready to bless you. These are three things, three uh, key things for you to consider when you are waiting. And I believe they're going to bless you because they blessed me when I started to put them into my own life many years ago. And you know, can I just say that? Like, we weren't taught this stuff. You know, when we grew up in church, I've done church all of my life. And in my younger years, my, my understanding from church was, if you're not getting the answer you want, you haven't got enough faith. You just need more faith. But actually, I've come to learn it's not like that. We're in relationship with God. And He will do what He said He's going to do, but He's expecting something from us also. So these are three principles, are three questions that you need to be asking yourself in a season of waiting. First one, in my waiting, where am I standing? Where am I standing? Your welfare and your well-being is not just impacted by the who you are, but it is equally as impacted as to where you are. We spend so much time concentrating on the who we are, which is right and important, but the where you are, the environment you're doing life in is just as important as the who you are, the environment that you're doing life in. Sometimes it might be a practical environment, but sometimes it's about you. What is your attitude like? What is your character like? What kind of friends do you hang around? What kind of situations and circumstances do you put yourself in? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What is your environment like? Because environment really, really matters. And it matters to God immensely. You know, when God created the world, He spent five days creating the world and one day creating the man to live in the world. Five days getting the environment right and one day creating His desired species to live in that environment. Five days getting the atmosphere right, getting the, the, the uh, climate right, getting oxygen levels right, making sure the sea and the, the land and the stars and the sun and the moon were, were distanced enough from it. He, he spent five days getting the environment just right and one day creating his desired species to go in it. He didn't create the birds and then create a sky to put them in. He got their environment created first then he created the bird and put, the sky, put it in the environment that he'd already created. He didn't make a fish and then think, oh, I'll make an ocean to put the fish in. No, no, no. He created the ocean, give it all the right nutrients and everything that it needed for a fish to survive and thrive in it. Environment matters to God. And if environment matters to God, then environment should matter to you and me. He knew for his creation, not just to survive on the earth, but he wanted his creation to thrive upon the earth. Everything had to be just right. So we must ask ourselves the question, in my season of waiting, and let's be honest, we are all waiting for something. In my season of waiting... Where am I standing? 
While I'm waiting for the thing that I'm waiting for, where am I standing? What is my environment like? Because when this season of waiting is over, I don't just want to exist in the blessing. I want to thrive in it. When this season of waiting for a marriage partner is over, when this season of waiting for a job is over, when this season of waiting for a healing in my body is over, I want to thrive in life in that blessing. I don't just want to get by and survive in it. So I'm going to make sure my environment is right now before I get the thing that I'm waiting for. You know, if you're waiting for a train, you better be on the platform at the train station. Because if you're waiting for a train and you're at the bus stop, right, you're going to be disappointed. There's nothing wrong with the desire, but there's everything wrong with the environment that you're in. And there's no amount of praying is going to change that. So you've got to make sure that I'm, am I in the right environment for God to bless me for the thing that I'm waiting for? You know, the enemy knows that God can and will bless your life when you are in the right place. And he will do anything he can to lure you out of being in the right environment. That's why sometimes there's an inner battle within you to come to church. Because this is the right place. This is a good place. You know, the Bible talks about a seed being planted in healthy soil, that the soil has to be cultivated and treated right in order for the plant to grow strong. This is good soil. This is healthy soil. And the enemy knows exactly what to do to keep you out of this environment. That is why you have thoughts about walking out in your marriage. Because the enemy knows if he can lure you out of an environment where God wants to bless you, then God can't bless you when you've walked out of the desired place where he wants you. And so the enemy knows how to go fishing for you in the environment that you are in so that God cannot bless you. See, I've recently discovered the strangest things you do when you're trying to put a preach together, but I've recently discovered that a fisherman has to know as much about his bait as he does about the fish that he's catching. See, I thought a fish was like a dog. I thought it just ate anything, but it doesn't just eat anything. There is live bait, grocery bait, commercial bait, hard bait, soft bait. So the fisherman has to know what type of fish he's going for before he goes fishing so that he can put the appropriate bait on the hook. Because when he knows the fish he's going for and he applies the appropriate bait, when he dangles his rod, he knows that fish will not be able to resist what is on the end of his line. And when the fish takes the bite, he can lure him right out of his environment. Can I tell you, the enemy knows exactly what bait to put on his line to lure you out of your intended environment. He knows when to put jealousy on the end of his hook. He knows when to put bitterness on the end of his line. He uses arrogance. He has a bait called offense. He has a bait called fear. He puts on the end of his hook pride and he goes fishing. And I'll tell you what, he knows exactly who he's going fishing for. Because he knows what you will succumb to. The enemy knows what you will succumb to. And if he can get you 
out of the environment that God wants you to be in. He knows that God can't bless your life. The second thing you need to do in your waiting is in my waiting, what am I hearing? Well, what am I hearing? I have this saying running around my my head while I was putting this message together. And it was this, whoever has your ears shapes your years. Whoever has your ears shapes your years. Because I don't know if you understand this or not, but what you listen to begins to shape and mold your future. Okay, so it is really important during the waiting season, when you're waiting on God for something, you've got to be mindful, who is it that I am listening to? You know, some of you are so selective about the way you eat your food because you have intolerances, you have allergies, and so you're gluten-free or you're dairy-free or not free. And you avoid certain types of food because you know it is not worth the consequence for me to eat that food. That food is going to have such an adverse effect on my body that it is not worth me eating that food because I am going to have a reaction. I am going to have a consequence. It upsets my system. And yet while we are so careful about what we take into our mouths because we don't want to mess up our bodies, we are not that careful about what we allow into our ears that messes up our minds. And so we have to be diligent and be careful of what we allow to be taken into our ears so it doesn't mess up our minds because we consume all sorts of rubbish with our ears. We take in unwholesome conversation and we listen to gossip. We say, well, I wasn't gossiping. It wasn't me. I didn't say anything. I was just there. No, 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 but the Word of God tells us that you become like those that you hang around with and and you're associated with. And so you may not have said it, but you listen to it. And what you've listened to, you've let it go into your mind. And now it's sitting in your mind and you're thinking about the thing that they have said to you. We listen to sowers of discord. People who just want to cause trouble. Sow disunity. We listen to unwholesome conversation. We listen to lies. And let me tell you something, without restraint, we give people our ears and we don't realise that they are shaping the years to come in our life. And so we have to be wise stewards with our ears. It shapes your decisions. What people say to you, what you hear to, it shapes your future. It directs your footsteps. And let me say this, that wrong conversation can actually manipulate, manipulate you away from the very thing that you are waiting for. And I have seen it time and time again. People who believe they're called to ministry. People who believe they're called to lead in life groups. People who are waiting and then they've listened to gossip and adverse conversation. You'll never be you. They would never let you. It's clicky. It's this. And they go away from the very thing and the very place that God is calling, the very thing that they're waiting on the Lord for. So whatever you listen to, it shapes your ears. The Bible tells us that the power of life and death are in the tongue. And so we have to be mindful, not just about what we say, but we have to be mindful of what we hear. Because what you hear sits in here and finds its way out here. So you will eventually start speaking like the person you're listening to. I don't know if you know this or not, but moods are transferred. Like I was having a really good day till you phoned me up. And I don't know what just happened, but now I'm in a terrible mood. Moods are transferred by words. 
You just be around somebody and you were fine and then you had that conversation and now you're not fine. Well, we've got to be really wise stewards of our ears. In our waiting, be careful. Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Because whoever you allow to speak into your life has influence over you. Do you remember your school days when you got in trouble? We all had the same answer. It wasn't me, so-and-so told me to do it. That's what we said. But can I tell you how many adults still have that same response today? It wasn't me. I just listened to what they said, or I went by what they said, or what they told me. But can I say, maturity comes when you choose not to listen in the first place. Maturity is when that conversation starts up and you're able to say, actually, if you're going to talk like that, that's just not for me. I, I'm not entertaining that. Or you want to talk about that person? I, I'm sorry. Unless you've been and had an actual conversation with them, I'm not going to listen to that. You need to be able to stop it before it even starts. Because Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. You know, when the Bible's talking about a fool, it's just talking about people that are walking in the ways of God. So it all starts with your friendship choices. Who do you choose to be friends with? Because they're the people who are talking into your ears. They have influence on you. You know, in Acts 4, there's this account that occurs where Peter and John get arrested. And they've got to go and stand trial before the Jewish council. And uh, they're standing before the Jewish council. And there's this really humbling line in, in Acts 4. And it really melts me every time I read it. It says about Peter and John that they knew they were common, uneducated men. They, they knew that about themselves. Yet they had to go and stand before the Jewish council. But when they stood before the Jewish council, the Jewish council were amazed at how well they articulated and how well they presented themselves. This is what it says in Acts 4.13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Because you become like those you hang out with. How much do you hang out with Jesus? Like, hang out with Jesus. Just hang out. Get your Bible out. Get your worship music on. Have a walk. Have a talk to Jesus. Get around some good people. Get around some godly friends. You're going to become like those that you hang out with. Be around people who inspire you, who encourage you, who are helping you to set you up strong to pursue the dream that is in your heart, in your season of waiting. Wait patiently on the Lord, but get around some great people. You might have some good friends in your life right now, but your only association with them is to the past. So every time you're having conversation, it's always about what we did and where we went. But if you want to go forward, if you've got a new vision and a new dream, you need to have some new voices in your life who are helping you go after the the very thing that you are wanting to seek and pursue. So let's go for it. Let's get some good voices in our, in, in, in our mouth. And the third thing in your waiting is in my waiting, what am I seeing? Where am I standing? What am I hearing? What am I seeing? Have you ever been looking at the same thing as somebody else, but you see it differently? 
I remember one message a few years back, we did optical illusions on the screen. You remember? And somebody sees the old lady and somebody sees the beautiful uh, princess. It's the same image, but we see it differently. Or, or that, the white gold dress and what was it? Black and blue, white and gold. It's white and gold, by the way. But that one as well, we see the same thing, but we see it different. You know, I'm, I'm looking out today and I could give a description of you because of my perception. For the first couple of rows that I can see, I could describe the features of your face, but somebody upon the mess is looking at the same crowd, but they're going to give a different description of the same thing. They'll be able to tell us who's thinning on top. Sorry. But that's because of where they're seated. They're seeing the same thing, but they're seeing it slightly different. So in your waiting position, where are you waiting? Because wherever your, whatever your position is, is what you will see. So I'm not always just talking about a physical location, but I am talking about a disposition, an inner disposition. What are you seeing depends what the position of your hope is. So in your hoping that God is going to come through for you, where are you positioning that hope? If it's positioned like the world's hope, then it's kind of like, I hope so, hope it might work, it might not, I hope so. But if it's positioned from, from a godly perspective, then it's a no-so hope. It's like, I know that I know that I know that my God is going to come through. I just choose to see it from His perspective and not from this perspective. You know, is your waiting like that of Eeyore, of Winnie the Pooh? You know, woe is me, nothing good ever happens to me. Everybody else gets a miracle. Everybody else's prayers are answered. No, my prayers never answered. Doom and gloom. And you know how Eeyore walked around with a big rain cloud over his head? Wherever Eeyore went, there went the rain cloud. And some of you are like that in your waiting. Yeah, God hasn't answered my prayers yet. Maybe tomorrow, I don't know. It just never seems to be happening. Or is your waiting like that of donkey of Shrek? You know, who remembers the scene in the trailer? Are we there yet? 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 They go into the land of, what is it, far, far away, and he's in the back of the trailer, and he's like, he's got his head out the back. Are we there yet? Out the side, are we there yet? He's in between Shrek and Fiona. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? That's the kind of hope that God wants you to have. Is it today, God? Is it today, God? Is it today, God? Is my answer coming today, God? God, I'm waiting for you. Is it today, God? And I want God to be like Shrek when he says, no, donkey, not yet. And I just want him to be like, no, Emma, shut up. It's not yet. I'm like, is it today, God? Is it today? Are you answering me today? That's how God wants us to be. I think that's how the father of the prodigal son was. You know, because he was like his, his adolescent son, took his inheritance prematurely, went off, squandered it. There's nothing in the Word of God about him uh, saying, I'm going for a certain amount of time and then I'll come back. Nothing about him writing any letters home, didn't send a text message, not a phone call, not a messenger, nothing. He just had gone. We don't know whether it was days, weeks, years, months. He was just gone. But the Scripture says this, that one day he did come back 
And when the young son set off for home, from a long distance away, the father saw him coming. Do you know why? Because he was on the porch of his house. Is it today, God? Is it today, God? Is it today, God? I'm looking across the field. I'm looking down the path. Is it today, God? Is he coming home today? Because I know how I raised him. I know what I put in him. I know that he's been brought up on your love and your life. And so, God, I'm fully believing and I'm expecting that you are going to do everything you said. Is it today, God? Is it today, God? Is he coming home today, God? That. You know, Elijah, after a three-year drought, climbed a mountain to pray to God. Why did he do that? Because he believed that the rain would come. So he positioned himself to be able to see the rain cloud up the top of the mountain. Are you positioning yourself that you're going to be able to see the thing that God is doing? Are you looking out for the thing that God is doing in your life? You know, when, when Jesus left the earth and went back to be with heaven, he promised the disciples the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he said, give them one instruction. What I need you to do is go back to Jerusalem. I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to wait in an upper room. And that was their only, that was their only instruction was to go and wait. And they waited and they waited and they waited. 10 days, they waited and they waited. But let me tell you in their waiting, they weren't like this. Life went on. They still went to the loo. They still went to the shop for food. Somebody had to cook a meal. Life went on. But there was something in their spirit that was expected and waiting. And after 10 days, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. You can't wait 10 minutes. And you think waiting on the Lord is grabbing a coffee in one hand, a piece of toast in the other, driving to work and going, Lord, I'm expecting you. It's like, it's more than that, people. It's a disposition. It's like I'm waiting, God, I'm positioning myself to see you. Isaiah 40 is the most famous scripture when it comes to waiting. We know it so well. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. Let me tell you something about the eagle. She's different to every other bird. You see, when a storm is brewing in the atmosphere. The eagle takes herself to the highest point that she can get to. It's usually on a cliff top. And she waits patiently. And she's able to predict the storm coming in. And as the storm clouds gather, she spreads her wings as wide as she can. And when the storm hits, she allows the currents of the storm to take her higher. She keeps her wings spread. And while man and animal alike are feeling the wrath of the storm below, the eagle is soaring somewhere above it. Oh, she's using the effects of the storm to take herself higher. She's using the effects of the storm to get herself in a better place. She has a completely different perspective on what is going on. For though she feels the storm, she is safe within it because her wings are spread and she soars higher. And this is the picture that God wanted you to see because He knew that life would be difficult. He knew that life would throw you some curveballs. He knew that life would present you with pain and problems. He says, it's not my heart that you go down with this. 
Be like that of an eagle. Spread your wings. Let this adversity take you higher. May you see this situation from my perspective and not from your perspective. And others are going to look at you. And others are going to question, why are you not freaking out with everything that is happening to you? Why are you not falling apart? And you'll be able to say, because I know where I'm standing and I choose what I'm hearing. (laughs) And I know that I'm looking at this from a heavenly perspective and not from a worldly stance. I love God, I love His Word. I love that He always has something to say to us. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.